Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about walking simulators. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's uh, it's pretty simple. We like to talk about games. Um, before we get into our in-depth commentary on walking simulators, uh, I guess we actually didn't play any tabletop the, over the last week. So, oh, we we played. Uh, didn't we? Oh no, we didn't play last week. Didn't yeah, because last Rebels. week was last week was the natural off week for Hell's Rebels, and, and uh, 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 also Rune Lords was canceled. Also, unfortunately, uh, yes. Unfortunately, um. So yeah, I guess that is. Uh, I don't know. I guess that we didn't actually play any tabletop last week, but uh, we probably did play actual other games. Uh, did you play anything like? Super special and hardcore. Um, I I mean, we both played Civilization Six. That's that's the biggest thing I think. Yeah, it's really um, the only thing actually, to be honest, that I played. <laughs> um, did I play any? I I think that I think that's the only thing I really played. Um, I also fought with EA with with, with the with the Origin client because it won't let me pre-purchase Titanfall Two. But, uh, Titanfall 2 is coming out this weekend, right? It's coming out on Friday. Um, along with uh, the Skyrim new edition. Oof, that Skyrim re-release. Yeah, uh, is the Skyrim re-release going to be 60 bucks? I haven't even looked at that, but I have um, like, no intention of getting it for a while. Um, so, it is... I think it's $60, but that's for PS4 and Xbox One. You, If you have all of the DLC for the PC, you get their upgrades for free. Oh, uh, shit. Which is which I think is really cool. Wait, sorry, you get the uh, you get the upgraded version of the DLC. Well, no, to be so, honest, I'm actually not super up in the first place on like the whole the whole Skyrim re-release. So um, the Skyrim, re- so so the big thing is it's mostly graphical updates, um, and the big thing is is for um, for for consoles they can they can download mods that people have made on the PC. Okay. Um. So. It's what is it? It's volumetric god rays, snow shaders, and new water effects are the big three that I, that come to mind. Um, if you watch the trailers, you can see some side by sides, um, and I think you you will get those graphical updates for free if you own everything for the PC already, which I believe both of us do. I so. do own everything. For, I I mean I actually bought it at first for the Xbox because my original PC wasn't powerful enough, but now I do have a PC that is uh, that is powerful enough. So. But I mean, I you know I have uh, long, long been a writer of of Skyrim. I think Skyrim is uh, one of the kind of you know seminal games I would say of this generation. Um, so I, I hey man, I'm always down to to go revisit revisit things in uh, in that game. God, it's so good. Just like thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 an excellent game. I actually so fun facts. My first. My first PC, I, uh, uh, oh, wow. I'm looking at my Steam now, and I can preload Skyrim Special Edition. Huh. Um, and it says I purchased it yesterday. Um, but, uh. I bet, you know, I have to say, man, that is really cool of, uh, of Bethesda. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but, um, to, to, I, I built my first PC specifically to be able to play Oblivion. Um, because I was so hyped for that game. And you know it's 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 uh, it's been a long time since that game came out, but oh man, 
Like I think the Elder Scrolls games are are, are kind of each each one tends to be a defining moment in a lot of different ways. In fact, um, you know, beyond like kind of like the expanse of, of 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 Oblivion, it's also the first. I think it's the first game with like widespread DLC. It also gives examples of amazing DLC in in the was the Frozen Isles. And terrible DLC in horse armor. Oh, I um, remember that. Oh my god, I remember that. Um, yeah, I wait. I have. I'm getting like weird deja vu. Did I explain on the podcast like my first interaction with Oblivion? I feel uh, like I did this a couple of weeks ago. Was uh, that on the podcast? I don't remember. Um, well, why don't you go for it again anyway? Well, so okay. <laughs> so you got mad. Jeez. Oh god. Oblivion has. Such a place in my heart, right? Um, I, I was working. Uh, I was working uh, at home on a summer, like, between... I must have been between, like, freshman and sophomore year, right? And I was going... You know, I was working in the Caddyshack at the time, hanging out with all my friends kind of thing. And my, uh, uh, and my dad and my stepmother went on a vacation uh, for about a... For nine days, uh, like, weekend to weekend. And I remember, and so I was alone, you know, I was alone in the house for like nine days or so. And I remember that first day, um, because, uh, I used to ride my skateboard. I used to ride my skateboard to the Caddyshack, but because my dad wasn't home, I was like, well, I'm going to drive your fucking car, dad. Like you can't stop me. And so I drove my car to the Caddyshack and then on my way back, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Best Buy. I'm going to treat myself. Right. So I went to Best Buy and I was like, shit, I should get, you know, I should purchase something. Um, and I remember wanting to get Fallout, but I also – Fallout 3, uh, but I also remember not having a computer powerful enough to play Fallout. But then I saw, like, the Oblivion game of the year edition, and I was like, why don't I get this? So I got Oblivion. I brought it back to my house. I loaded it up, and for the next nine days straight, I basically just didn't leave the house. I just played Oblivion for – you know a week a week and a half almost right um it was it was like that you know i mean people like talk about this in like a horror story say but it was like the opposite of that it was like i got up i played oblivion and i went to sleep and you know in between i was just like you know making random terrible food in you know from the fridge or whatever like i'd order a pizza it was the i was so sucked into that game and i was so deeply thoroughly immersed in that experience it was ah god it was insane and i felt that way about a couple of other games you know kind of over the course of uh over the course of my uh gaming history but oblivion it'll it'll just always kind of like hold that special place like that little nostalgia place of just how deep i i descended into right like the world of uh, uh, of the, uh, of the Elder Scrolls, uh, man, God, geez. I, and you know, the worst part about that is that I actually know a lot of the flaws of Oblivion, right? I can kind of see them now because I'm a better, you know, like I, I've, I'm good enough at, uh, seeing game design stuff on the fly that I can now recognize the problems in the design of those classes, uh, and how like the leveling up works, but I didn't see any of that stuff at the time. And so it's kind of like the perfect like ignorance is bliss moment, uh, because to be honest, Oblivion is has some like god awful core systems, like god awful. Yeah, I think you did tell the story last week, but that's okay. Wait, wait, really? God damn it! 
No way. I didn't tell this story last week. I think you did because you also mentioned that uh, your your friend Max had come over oh, and shit. and watched and watched you play. Why didn't you stop me? <laughs> because it's a good story, right? Like we don't. You think that like all three repeat listeners are gonna get mad at us? That's fair. Yeah, don't get don't get mad at us, listeners, because I repeated. You know, because sorry, I, I like, Yeah, <laughs> because I like fell into my. You know, I fell into my uh, like old drunk uncle habit of telling the same like war stories over and over and like sorry you've already told us uncle ricky okay we were there all right when you you know met kareem abdul jabbar anyway um the uh uh so the skyrim re-release definitely has me pumped i think skyrim has a much solider core uh uh like core systems to build off of though i do think there are still some uh imperfections in there um so i you know it, it is a game i have a lot easier time returning to i have had the hardest time i've gone back to oblivion maybe like two or three times since uh like that initial crazy playthrough and um and i just can't do it i break my you know like i just break the game immediately and it feels terrible yeah yeah but you know um I think I think it's still a good game despite its flaws, and I, I think the same is true for Skyrim. Um, and I definitely look forward to diving back into it when it when it comes back. Yeah, and it, I definitely agree that it it is so representative. To be honest, I actually think Skyrim and uh, you know, like if I was making a if I was like writing a book or like making like a video or something about kind of like the history of video game stuff, um, I it. Uh, it would, um, I think the, the Oblivion and Skyrim are great bookends to that generation. Oblivion was kind of one of the first, first games to really show off and exploit the power of the Xbox 360. And Skyrim, uh, is one of those games that, you know, kind of was part of, uh, the 360, the the PS3 generation swan song, I think. So, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. Man, I love that game. Yeah. It'll also be kind of one of the first remasters that I've ever gone back to. Um, I, you know, I'm actually a little bit down on... See, uh, I, I don't even think it's really a remaster. It's just like some, gra it's just some graphical updates. It's bringing the base game to the Xbox One and the PS4, right? With a remaster, with like a real remaster, I expect some things like new content and some and some redesign, really. And they, uh, plenty of companies have done this with plenty of games. Um, I don't really like. This is literally just a, a graphical update and for for new hardware, um, which is fine. Like like I said, I'm I'm excited for it, um, but it's not. Like I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's got the same kind of uh, draw as a real remaster does. Um, just be well, so what are some other what you know what would you say are some other like what other remasters have you played right like I know the Bioshock remaster came out recently but I don't think uh, I don't think either of us have delved into that at all for instance yeah I, I, so I have I haven't played a ton of remasters myself outside of like like the uh, the Technically, the the Super Nintendo version of Super Mario World or Super Mario World Two: The Lost Levels is a remaster of the NES original. But like that, I I've seen remasters of like the 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 Resident Evil games, um, and you know, famously, uh, uh, 
Final Fantasy VII is getting a, is getting a, a, a full remaster. Um, but a remaster to me means something more than just just like a, a, a graphical update for for the new generation. Um, oh, like uh, I have played the the. Um, the Monkey Island re-release, which I don't think is, that actually doesn't count as a remaster, because it's it's just again it's just a graphical update. Um, yeah, I guess maybe I would lump it kind of in the director's cut for the Deus Ex, maybe. Um, those, see, those ones are a little bit weird because like the the line is a little bit blurry on yeah you know, like what I would think of. Uh, to, I, I think the I think the director's cut. Which, like, you know, by the way, fixes basically all my problems with the game, and I think makes it, you know, a truly excellent one. Um, it doesn't, I don't know, that, that one doesn't feel like it was like a remaster or like a re-release in the same way. It kind of feels more like the Game of the Year editions, uh, the kind of, the, you know what I mean? Like those, like, essential versions that, like, include all the DLC and everything like that. That's what the, you know. That's what that feels like to me. But you know, you might, you might, you might convince me that that is the first or a good example of um, a remaster here. You know, let me get on my scene. Let me see if I'm forgetting something. Yeah, um, it, um, it's it's also a, ultimately a matter of semantics. I don't think it's the end of the world, regardless of of, of what you call it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, I am excited for the prospects. Blizzard has been apparently. Um, hiring out for uh people to update some of their older games and i think that that is one of the coolest things and i really hope that it actually does come about because uh i mean just playing you know playing those first couple of missions in warcraft 3 obviously you know um civilization came out and so i split my time between world of warcraft and civilization 6 rather than uh uh uh, Warcraft 3 and World of Warcraft, but just playing those first couple of missions of, of Warcraft 3 really showed me that, you know, honestly, I think with the right update of, um, you know, the right the right update of the animations, of the models and everything like that, that game really is very special. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, we... I, I feel like... I feel like uh, I could find myself talking about kind of Warcraft 3 in a, in a modern setting... Uh, alongside, you know, some of its kind of, uh, you know, so, some of what I would think of as, like, modern games, it fits right in there as long as it kind of has that look. But right now, because of, you know, it's made in 2002 and it's, like, polygoned up the, you know, the wazoo. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I have very complicated feelings, to be honest, about these remasters. A lot of them feel like huge money, like money grabs to me, which sucks. I think which is really you know stupid and bad. Yeah, I I agree. But if there's there's a market for it, like like I I would you know if they remade say like Oblivion or 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 Morrowind, which I didn't spend a lot of time with, in in the Skyrim engine, um with you know whatever things they need to change to account for those differences, I think that could be compelling and interesting. Oof, I feel like I would I feel like they would have to solve and fix those core systematic issues um you know i've mentioned this i'm just going to explain what i mean because people might not understand the problem with oblivion right um at the beginning of oblivion you choose your class either a pre-made class or a class that you uh create on your own and you assign a couple of skills to be quote-unquote major skills and a couple of skills to be quote-unquote minor skills right um 
when you level up 10, it, it's actually only a few in the beginning, but uh, it, it, it scales up to 10. When you level up 10 of your major skills, your character advances by one level. Um, and uh, when you level up any number of skills, right, that allows you to level up your kind of baseline stats, right? Like strength, speed, you know, agility, right? Like those kinds of things. Um, this this system looks kind of good on paper, and it feels pretty okay on paper, right? Because, you know, your major skills are the ones that you have an easier time leveling, uh, is another thing. And so it contributes to an ability to kind of churn out levels, um, and you're also upgrading your strength and your stamina and everything like that. But if you actually focus on upgrading your minor skills, right, the skills that are harder for you to learn and are not tied to your class level ups, um, you become you become proportionally stronger because I can level up my jumping skill infinitely in um, uh, in Oblivion. I can level up this, you know, I I could just infinitely jump. Or athletics, whatever it's called. I can infinitely jump over and over again. And if it's not one of my major skills, is if it's one of my minor skills, it'll keep accruing uh, a, a bonus to my agility or to my speed um, or whatever kind of like the mainline stat that that skill is tied to until until a cap, I think, of like plus 10. But if I'm, if I'm focusing on my major skills, like the game seems to intend for you to do, um, you're only ever going to get the benefit of 10 specific upgrades because you can't stack them. You know, I, if I, if I have to jump 50 times in order to get a plus 10 on my, on my strength or whatever, right. I can increase my strength by plus 10, but my level by plus one. Right. And that, and because everything in oblivion is scaled is directly scaled to your level. It creates a super weird difficulty curve because you are, as as you as you were scaling up, um, you are kind of getting outpaced by the other content if you're specifically focusing on those on those major skills. Um, so that's the problem. I think it sucks to be honest. Um, I think Skyrim, right? Like I said, I think Skyrim has other problems, but to me, they are far more minor, uh, and I'm more willing to kind of play around with them compared to uh, compared to Oblivion. I don't know; those systems are a game breaker for me. And see, I don't know, I, I always, I, I guess I just didn't play Oblivion in a way, like, like yes, that's a system that could be abused as, as can, like, the system of, like, having 100% camouflage armor, um, but I, I feel like, I feel like this is, this is true of a lot of, a lot of these Bethesda games is, um, there's a little bit of self-discipline that goes into just not doing that, which I understand is kind of, like, a weird attitude to take about it. But like, I, you know, oblivion, I never had a problem with that. Cause I never, I, I never like, you know, well, in the back of my mind, I figured I probably could do that. I just never tried to do that. I just, you know, picked the skills that I liked as, as the ones I wanted to focus on. I just played the game. I wanted to play it. Um, I went so I, I see what you're saying. And I'm, I'm actually very empathetic to that. I think, um, and there is a certain amount of discipline that goes into me not, uh, you know, Skyrim, uh, the broken thing to do in Skyrim is to, uh, level, um, enchanting because you can just get like super, super powerful high end enchanting gear, 
uh, that will just make everything super easy, right? And so, so you know, not doing that is what takes the discipline. Um, but to me, there's a difference between, like, I'm normal power and I have some discipline to not break the game versus if I'm behaving normally, the game naturally outscales me, right? Um, that, that you know, that, that, like, one yeah. of those is a little bit, but is a little bit... Uh, kind of different and I guess frustrating. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely get it. I, I think that's always, like, ever since Oblivion, when, when Bethesda has had their scaling world thing, I think it's been a little weird because in the first place it feels hard to actually, it feels hard to scale yourself because everything's supposed to be approximately a challenge to you, which is not the greatest feeling. And they solved that a little bit in Skyrim. Um, but I also think that like, I I think it ultimately it's a better system than like you know level one is over here and level two is over here. It lets the game open up to like do things that you want to do. Like 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 you can see the parts of the game that you want to in any order that you want with the infinite scaling, which I think is ultimately a better thing. Um, mm -hmm. than than the uh the kind of locking things at different levels. But I also feel like it's it, it makes it hard to feel like you're progressing. Um, because you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. not doing like, you know, you're, it, it's not like, uh, it's not like there's like heavy loot in this game or, or anything. It's, it's not like there's, there's other means to feel like you're, you're getting more powerful, right? Like, like the, the, the loot system is actually surprisingly shallow. Um, I, I always thought that, that would be an, an easy thing for them to, to target, to make the game a little bit, um, more varied, um, but I also don't think the combat's a strong point of, a point of those games, which is a weird thing to say for you know a medieval sword and sorcery game. But I just I just don't think that. Um, I, I think it, like like you've said like you've said in the past, it's more about immersion in the world than it is about any particular um, gameplay element. I think. You know, interestingly enough, I actually don't find the combat to be that much of a problem. Uh, mostly, you know, I I guess I agree with you that it's not stellar, right? But to me, it's you know, it's fine. Right. Like, like, I think if I were to be evaluating Skyrim, um, the the immersion of the world is truly, truly like next level. Right. It is something that Skyrim does almost uniquely. Um, like it's only real competitors are like other Bethesda games. Um, you know, I and you know, I guess maybe you could say Fallout New Vegas, which isn't technically a Bethesda game, but effectively. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I think that. Um, I think that that is, like, above and beyond, right? It is further than an A+. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the combat is fine. And so those things kind of average out, right? Like, I don't think that the, you know... It's not the most engaging system in the world, right? I think there are better systems out there. Uh, I think the combat being engaging and interesting is uh, is an advantage of game of like Bioware games, for instance, right? Um, I think uh, especially Dragon Age Two and Inquisition. It's kind of a toss up because I have a lot of problems with the combat of Dragon Age Origins. Um, you know, you I, I look at those systems and I say, yep, they are more dynamic, they're more interesting, they engage me uh, fundamentally uh, on on those kinds of levels. And um, uh, but you know, the, the Skyrim combat isn't like so god awful. It isn't like so bad that I think it tanks. You know, it tanks the experience. Yeah, sure, uh, sure. I, I agree with that. It just it always seemed to me to be like a weird thing to be just okay in, in as a system that. 
the game is ostensibly kind of focused around. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, I get, I definitely get that. I also think that it's hard with games like that um, because I don't think we're very built to appreciate, and this will segue, I guess, into our actual topic. I don't think we're built to appreciate um, stuff like that as kind of like like a wider audience of gamers. I think gamers react to good systems far more than they react to good stories, than they react to you know, interactive settings, uh, uh, then they react to, uh, immersive atmospheres, then they react to, you know, compelling characters, right? And it's almost something of, like, a perpetual frustration on, on my part, because I react very strongly to those things, right? Um, and so, you know, it's always, like, it, it just, like, kills me, right? When I want to just be like, oh my god, the characters in Mass Effect are so fucking good and someone's like yeah i know but the, you know the shooting mechanics are a little bit you know like oh like the, the the cover you know like the chest high walls cover is a little sticky i'm like shut up right like you know don't ruin this for me kind of thing uh just like as a greater kind of community um and i think that might be part of why there's a backlash against so-called walking simulators oof excellent segue <laughs> yeah very proud of that one <laughs> um but uh, I don't know how, you know, so, um, so, you know, walking simulator is a term that not everybody might be uh, familiar with. How would you, you know, what, what is your concisest, most straightforward kind of definition for a walking simulator? Uh, so walking simulators are um, uh, a form of entertainment, let's say. Um, it, it's, it's, it's presented, they're presented as games. Um, whether or not they're games is, is an argument that's frankly relatively uninteresting, but it's, um. You, uh, you, you primarily move through the environment and you may interact with things. And there may be some light puzzle solving, but it's mostly about experiencing a story um, and uh, moving through an environment um, and, and picking up the, the cues from that story without many other gameplay elements. And that's, I think, the, the biggest thing is that there is very, very minimal gameplay mechanics which is why some people argue that they aren't games um but it, it's it's also got a strong focus on 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 the story involved. so you, so to be clear you wouldn't argue that they are not games right um i think that's a semantics argument that's largely uninteresting like i i, I essentially just don't care about that argument it's it's you know it, you know it, interestingly enough I care a lot about the argument of or well the 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 kind of question of like what is a game right how do we define a game right and all of those kinds of things I think that there's a lot you know I you and I have talked about this a little bit more because I have something of like my own idiosyncratic like overarching media theory to this kind of stuff but I always find filtering that question through games like this to be like the exact wrong approach. Because it is just, like, uh, I, I think trying to craft a definition, essentially, out of, you know, trying to craft the box that is a definition out of, like, the wooden planks that you would say are and are not, you know, like, the barriers or whatever is just, like, the wrong way to approach it. I think you have to be more cerebral and, and abstract uh, than that in general. So, I, I, I share your distaste for people who... Uh, uh, people who get who get like deep in those kinds of weird arguments. Yeah, it, it's it's ultimately referring to it as a game is is easy enough is, is easy for like conversational purposes. Um, 
uh, like I, I just don't think it, it matters so much um if if you want if you know you can if if the distinction isn't game or not game it can be like you know like hardcore game like involved you could come up with some adjective if you're unhappy with with whatever other distinction you want to make i, I, I just like it, like th- that type of argument, like like you said, it, it it's literally just like an argument of meaning. It, 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 like I don't think there's anything to be gained or lost from including or excluding walking simulators from the title of uh, of of games. Sure. It's not like it cheapens any other game by being included, and it's not like it bolsters any of them by being uh, di- discluded Definitely. or unincluded. So, what would you say the best walking simulator you've ever played is? Um, to the moon. Also, I have, you know, I also wonder kind of what the barriers on this genre is. I may have never played one, because I haven't played some of the big famous ones, like Gone Home. Oh, I did play, uh, God, what's that one? God, that one's actually really bad, too. Um, it starts with, like, an E. It's not like Eureka. It's like... Dear uh, Esther? Dear Esther! God! Ah, oh, what an awful game. <laughs> See, I, I, I have, I have had that game installed for years. Like I think, like six years at this point, I've never launched it. To be honest, um, I think I think Dearester gets something of a pass because I think it gets a little bit of a pass because one, it's kind of on the very forefront of this stuff, right? Um, not that it's like the most cutting edge game of all time, kind of thing, but it definitely is. You know, one of the first games that when people think of walking simulators, they think of you know like. Uh, uh, dear Esther, but um, it it tries, it tries really hard, and it mostly fails, and it isn't good. But I, you know, I give it, I give it the credit it deserves for you know, uh, uh, trying, trying, trying as hard as it does. <laughs> to be honest, I'm actually looking through my Steam library right now. I don't think I have any others in my entire. Steam library. I think it is literally just uh, so. Minister. So the big I, one, the big ones I've played are To the Moon, Stanley Parable, and Gone Home. And I don't think I've oof, played Stanley Parable. Um, I, I have not played that one, but I know obviously all about it. Yeah, I've got I've got some thoughts, and and I uh, I like To the Moon a lot. I think To the Moon is excellent. Um, I don't like Gone Home. I've got some specific reasons for that. And Stanley Parable aggravates me. Um, It's a weird way to put it, but it's like... So, I think Stanley Parable is funny. I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's a a cool kind of like send-up of the genre... Which is you know it's it's you know it's it makes fun of like the the kind of whole art house movement of it, but in that, I am aggravated that I paid like ten dollars for that game. It is a game I spent like thirty to forty five minutes in, and that's all I never needed to spend in that game. And that's me really stretching for it. And like I was, I remember distinctly playing it, like you know, hearing great things about it, buying the game during a Steam sale, installing it. And playing it, and afterwards being mad that I had spent my money on that, right. um, just because like, you know, Gone Home I think doesn't I I I've got some very specific reasons for why I don't like Gone Home. We can go into that later. Um, Gone Home does like like I have problems with it, but it feels like a complete experience to me. 
Um, uh, to the Moon, likewise, it works for me and also feels like a complete experience. Stanley's Parable feels like a joke that I shouldn't have had to pay for. Um, which is, which, which is, I think I would have been less mad about it if I had kind of known what it was going into it, but it was a game that was recommended, like, you know, I had heard was, I had heard basically Stanley Parable is very good. I saw it on sale and I went for it and I was like, I just spent $15 on, on this, on, on this literal, you know, on this literal piece of like one note joke. Um, um. And, and you know that uh, that was a very specific rant about St Stanley Parable, but um, I think it might actually be the only one kind of in that class of like you know uh, of, of straight up send ups of the genre. Um, but I I I don't think so. So so, so you you uh, have have you played any of these of these walking simulators, buddy? Of those three, no. Uh, of, of at all uh, any any. Oh, of so, I, I mean. Um... Besides yeah, I, Dear so, Esther. so Dear Esther is the big one, um, and and like I said, I give it I give it credit for trying, even though ultimately I think it kind of uh, fails. For you know, honestly, it's not even its own fault. This is kind of why I almost feel bad like getting out his case. I don't really know that it's its own fault that it fails, just because like you know, like I think it's easy to get up on, I don't you know, uh, fucking I don't know. Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's a bad example. But, like, you know, it's, it's easy to get up on Suicide Squad for its flaws because movies have a long history. There's a hundred fucking years. More than that, right? 120 years of movies that, you know, you're, you are standing on the shoulders of giants and you are making, like, basic, you know, ba the most basic film school level, right? Like, like editing continuity problems and pacing issues, right? Um, there's kind of no excuse for that. Like, they should have known better. But Dear Esther is so, uh, you know, because it came out, you know, I actually don't know when it came out, but it came out at the beginning, I I, I think of, right? As it was the, one of the uh, earlier uh, ones, yeah. One of the earlier ones. And so, you know, it was it was uncharted territory, you know what I mean? They, they, they were venturing, you know, they were venturing west, trying to find India, and they kind of just got lost and sank, right? But, you know, it, it's some guts there. And I don't know that I can, like, you know, they, they weren't following a pattern. They weren't, they weren't, um, uh, they they didn't have it written out for them. Um, and so I get, you know, so here's my problem with Dear Esther, right? Dear Esther is you walk around the island and, um, it's like, I guess it's like fragments of thought, or maybe they're letters. I guess they're letters um, that get played to you kind of about this this story that's going on, right? Um, and visually, it's... Go, visually, you're, you, you see different stuff, but it also kind of sort of relates to what, what you're hearing about. And I think that's actually a compelling framework. And you could make a fab, fabulous, f fabulous game out of this framework. And I'm sure that other walking simulators have done that. Um... Uh, and have used that very well. I haven't actually played it, but I think Firewatch is the, you know, uh, it came out like last year, right? These guys are uh, kind of standing on the shoulders uh, a little bit of, of, uh, of giants. Um, and, uh, and they are very successful at it because, you know, uh, or relatively successful at it, I suppose, uh, because they have... 
they kind of have the right like kind of priorities from like a story and a character focus in mind but those things are priorities but they're just flubbed they're just bad right the, the story has no pacing it's it's a little bit of the problem kind of that comes out of like oh you know it's actually it's a little bit of a problem that comes out of like bioshock is a little bit of this to me um or actually a better example might be like star wars the force awakens might be an example of this where like the story that's being described to you as kind of backstory, like it's kind of being narrated as, as backstory, um, is actually a lot less interesting than if you just did that story almost, right? Like, I think the story of how, right, you know, the universe ends up in a spot where, uh, or the galaxy ends up in a spot where, you know, the First Order and the Resistance and Princess, you know, Leia and Han Solo, you know, leave and Luke leave, right? Like, that story is more compelling than the story of Rey and Finn and whatever, right? Um, and I think the same thing is a little bit true of, like, Bioshock, right? Uh, Bioshock, the story of, right, uh, Rapture's downfall and uh, and the, the conflict between Andrew Ryan and Atlas... You get all of that through the environment and through these tapes and everything, but I kind of can't fight this feeling that that's the better story at play and kind of what I'm doing running through post-apocalyptic rapture is less interesting. Um, by the way, I'm not trying to shit on Bioshock. There are other reasons where Bioshock kind of makes up for that deficit. It, it properly accounts for that. Uh, but it's just like, that's the feeling that I get out of Dear Esther, right? Uh, is that like... The story that's being narrated uh, and that's kind of being suggested to you um, is more interesting in an you know from like a from like a writer's perspective you would call this active right like in an active voice you know you are playing the events as they occur rather that rather than the passive voice where it is being told to you that these events have happened if that makes sense. Yeah, I actually, I think, I've, so I've got something of, of like a theory uh, on kind of like the building of of a lot of walking simulators um, and, and kind of how they come to be and kind of why they, so I think that walking simulators, a lot of walking simulators kind of have this trap that it's very easy to fall into. Um, and I think that a lot of walking simulators want to be, so so I think so. A big part of this to kind of wind it back is that um, I think as as people in general, um, because writing for a video game is harder than writing for a movie because you can't control the main character. Um, do you, you think that's fair? That that writing mm, ish, but you, sure. Yeah, I'll just sure. Okay, for the sake of argument, if right. you, I think that a lot of these walking simulator games kind of rely on the fact that they are generally less harshly judged than a movie would be. And I think a lot of these games want to be movies. But one, walking simulators are easier to do for a small team. Like, there's no overhead. There's just, like, mastery of unity and some basic assets. Um, I think in a lot of ways, I think a lot of, of these walking simulators fall into this trap that you've described of telling you the story through letters or flashbacks or, or other narrative devices um, rather than actually showing it on the screen, because that's like you can describe a fight on in a letter, um, and if you don't have to animate that, that's better for you as like a amateur game developer. Um, and so I think that's an easy trap to fall into to put all of the meat in 
these these pieces of text that way you and maybe even just a piece of voice acting that way you don't have to actually um figure out how to realize that um in a in a in a uh in a digital medium um and i think that um essentially a lot of these games come down to um descriptions of movies that get made as games i think a lot of people who want to make these games um also want to tell a story so a lot of these stories or rather want to teach a lesson and so a lot of these stories end up as aesops um uh the, a couple of the more like gone home is is a very famous example of this um and i don't think there's anything just for clarity what would you say what is the aesop behind gone home um have do you do you, do you care about spoilers i i i personally don't care about spoilers i think i already know the answer to this but okay just just for the viewer the listeners at home okay. don't listen for the next you know two minutes maybe yeah, spo- spoilers for gone home so 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 it the the moral of of kind of gone home is is or kind of the the lesson of gone home is about um is about being a a, a homosexual teenager um and dealing with the difficulties of that and like that it's really essentially the lesson is that's a really tough thing to do um and i think that 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 kind of like that kind of morality uh, and that kind of storytelling is fine um but because so many of these things are are asops um, and the reason I think that's part of the reason why they get these such strong reactions is because, um, whenever you say something that's that's you know not like, you know, cut and dry like you know murder is bad, you're gonna have some people that agree with your message and some people that don't, or some people that think that your your message is is pandering or however you want to put it, and I think that that makes these games so divisive, not necessarily because the the like the 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 structure is. Or, or the um the framework of of the walking simulator is so divisive. I think that gets confused for the fact that um a lot of the stories that these games tend to tell are divisive and cause problems that way. Like I, I you know you know um this isn't really pushback. It's just kind of like fleshing out, I suppose, the commentary sure. on it. Um, interestingly enough, I kind of think that's the purpose of every story, right? I don't think I think if a story doesn't have you know I mean. In uh, my terms, I would call this like an ethos, right? But like these are what themes are, right? These are these are uh, the themes of movies, games, anything, media uh, is about. You know, here is a point of view on on a thing, right? The theme of the the show community is that you can create a family with anyone right you know you don't need to you don't need to have blood relations you just need to have good friends in order to have a family that's also the theme of friends right it's a, it's a theme of plenty of things right but i don't think that that's a you know that's not political in the same way that right like you know you should be empathetic to teenagers with homosexuality kind of is just because the nature of homo homosexuality in you know like the american political discourse is a very divisive uh kind of uh thing to get at or maybe you know it's it's a little bit less so but it was definitely like unambiguously uh i think i uh uh even at the time of gone home gone home's release which was only a couple of years ago um, and so I think it's a it's a it's about the fact that these are kind of like 
political in nature. I'm really kind of dancing around the point. The reason that this is on our minds and was brought up, right, is because a new game came out that I can't remember the names of which, and a bunch of games journalists in, like, the media, like, went to and fought over it. Uh, two of them said they don't even qualify as real games. I'm actually literally looking because I do some homework for this podcast, listeners. Um, that That's the that's the one with the... um. No, no dialogue, and it's it's the the black woman who's like an FBI agent, right? That's when you. Uh, the game is Virginia. Yes, that's it. Um, and two writers, uh, William Hicks and Ian Miles Chong, uh, and this is a quote from an Eric Kane article uh, flashback. By the way, we talked about Eric Kane on the podcast a couple of times, but um, he says basically both Hicks and Chong believe that this genre doesn't even qualify as quote unquote real games and is only propped up by critics because of its socially progressive or quote unquote SJW themes. Um, the, the person who took the other side of this argument, New York magazine's Jesse single single on the other hand, thinks that this is a bit too much of a blanket judgment pointing out that in his own experience with the genre, he's had mixed experiences. Um, this, I, I, I think that kind of gets to the heart of it, right? Like where the kind of sensitivity on the specific politics uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's, you know, I don't think that there's politics to the overarching theme of community in the same way that there's politics to kind of the overarching themes on some of these, um, on some of these walking simulators, right? Um, and I think that there are, you know, DRS is a little bit like this, but it's not super kind of overt uh, in the same way that, in the same way that I, it, I understand, I, I suppose, um, yeah, gone home to be no, and 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 I, I I like I said I think this is kind of a confusion, right? Like, um, like I don't like I don't think there's anything about walking simulators that makes them have to be that way. Like to the moon, like the one the one I I enjoy very much is not like that at all. It's it's a weird science fiction story about um about implanting memories and and stuff. It's it's actually very interesting. I recommend it. It's also it's also got like a light puzzle thing in the middle of it, but it's 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 a it's a two D top down walking simulator. It's great, um, and I think that I think that the the prevalence of these kind of political messages in in a walking simulator is kind of what leads to this 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 uh, kind of argumentation, um, and um, like I don't like Gone Home. Like I have very specific problems with why Gone Home doesn't work for me, and I can go into them later. If if you want, but um, I don't think that's necessary. Like I don't think that that's why the game fails. But I also think that that nature of the game instantly alienates a portion of your potential audience, um, and alienates them in a way that will cause them to rail against it because because of um, kind of the the. The, the the quote that you brought up uh Hicks and, and Chong I think that um you know if if something's a at a very basic level right if something you you consume has a message that resonates with you and you think is correct you're going to give it a a a, a better review um like like straight up that's just that that makes sense in a lot of ways um it's, it's i think a kind of hard thing to separate um to separate uh kind of like second like objective appreciation from um uh uh from from kind of like agreeing agreeing with the content i think doubly so for 
you know, pieces of media like this where there isn't anything else to really turn to, right? You can't write yeah, a rave yeah, review about true. the gunplay in Gone Home. Um, like, you know, like, you can find Duke Nukem disgusting and misogynistic um, and whatever, but you can still appreciate it as a shooter outside of those elements um, and vice versa, right? Like, you can think that the combat in Mass Effect is middling to to poor, but still appreciate it from a character perspective. But you only have this one thing to go for um, in, you know, in, Gone, in Gone Home and in game in other working simulators like it. I, I actually definitely think that that's a very cogent point, right? Um, and, I, and I also think that it's something that games have yet to figure out. Um, I think... I think this is honestly uh, kind of, you know, one of the overarching bits of our podcast that we haven't actually talked about in a while. It's kind of this, right, like, games as, right, like, narrative games as sport kind of thing. I think the fact that that distinction hasn't been made by kind of, like, the wider gaming audience, probably because this podcast isn't being shared enough and isn't famous enough, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I think I think the the... The inability um, of critics, of reviewers, of, you know, people who are uh, kind of actively morphing the zeitgeist of games have an inability to talk about games in kind of these these kind of terms with relation to one another. And I've definitely seen, you know, critics who don't like, you know, like, I've seen, I've seen critics, what, and, and to me this is almost like unfair, like, quote unquote, right, like, who don't uh who don't like a story uh uh of a game even one that has like what 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 I would think of as like a good story or whatever and so they kind of they pan it because the story isn't necessarily like delivered in the way that they like that they like think of you know right there's a lot of pitfalls here is my point right and i think that there's there's a certain to a certain extent right a critic or a reviewer, right, like their job, I mean, this is also hard because I think that distinction is also very blurry, is to parse out some of this stuff. I There are there are games, there are movies, um, there are TV shows that, that have themes, that have messages that I think are kind of abhorrent and a kind of terrible, and that is off-putting sometimes, but I also can give them credit for delivering it well, right? For instance, you know... Uh, a movie that I think of, that I really like, and a movie that I think of as being very good, right? Uh, something like Three Hundred, right? I think that movie is great. But if you actually kind of take a look at the politics of that movie, it's very easy to uh, extrapolate out and say, like, oh, you know, this movie came out in two thousand six, maybe. Uh, you know, this is in the middle of the Iraq War, right? We're demonizing these Persians, right? lionizing uh uh you know leonidas and uh uh and these um you know and these 300 spartans right and shitty and you know there's all this homosexual subtext to the whole thing right xerxes wears makeup right and he does that thing where he gives leonidas a massage halfway through the movie or whatever you know like i you know, I, I think a lot of those arguments are actually pre-valid right they're supported by uh by the evidence given in in the text of this movie but i also think that first of all i think you can also go kind of the opposite way uh with it and second of all i think that it's almost kind of missing the point sometimes right because even if it's making a 
even if it's like making an argument or right or using certain tropes this is what i think 300 is guilty of it's using certain tropes in order to tell a kind of a like archetypal or 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 like throwback hero story um that it's so effective in those things that even though you know we can parse around the politics and say yeah maybe this movie is you know homophobic or whatever it's still a successful movie because it's good at you know it's good at the getting the job done right it has it has a a uh, you know, an interesting plot. It has compelling characters. It it has dynamic and interesting action, right? All of these other kinds of things. And I feel like I feel like these walking simulators get bogged down in kind of the the argument about what the politics are, what the meaning is, and we're we're missing the forest for the trees when when we like when we do that. Right, you. I. I. Th there are movies that can be "quote unquote." This is a bad word, but we use it anyway. Problematic, right? That are still good. There are television shows that are problematic that are still good, and there are certainly one hundred percent games that are problematic, but they're still good. Uh, and in the same way that, to bring this back to the point I was making earlier, right? In the same way that we kind of forgive the um, the inoffensive gameplay in um, in Skyrim because of whatever or right or we might even give a pass to kind of like the you know the outright bad story ish uh in in a game like i don't know league of legends league of legends right? oh god by the way did you see the dev post well whatever uh we should talk about that on the cast though just note in the future they put out a dev thing about how they create tons and tons of plot threads and never follow up on them and i'm so mad about it but like league of legends right but league of legends is still a good game right and and and, and i think that that gets lost in the weeds i guess yeah no I, I i i definitely agree um and 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 i think i think to their credit walking simulators kind of shine a shine a bright light on this problem although i don't think a lot of people are talking about it in, in, in kind of those terms, which is unfortunate. Um, they're kind of held up in a bunch of different ways. There is also, like, I think there are also very valid criticisms of, uh, very valid criticisms of the typical criticism that goes in uh, of a walking simulator, one of which is something like walking simulators are typically short, um, and thus a game reviewer is able to play the whole thing in this more likely to give it a good review because they are capable of, of like kind of experiencing the whole thing before they have to write a review. I think that's sure. a I think that's a very valid point. Um, I also think that I think that in a lot of ways the games industry is kind of desperate to be recognized as 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 something more than just toys and and as 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 art. Um, and I think that these walking simulators are a a kind of uh, are kind of like an easy vehicle for that because they are they are poised almost entirely on kind of those more artistic elements and and not at all on 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 the sportish elements, and so it's it's very easy to put in a laser focus on um on those things. Yeah, you know, and honestly, this is a little bit frustrating because I'm very I'm very interested in taking uh, uh you know games seriously as art, like incredibly. This is something I'm super passionate about. Um, and, you know, I'm super passionate about this in a lot of respects, right? Like, I don't think people give blockbuster movies, right, or sitcom television, right, in, like, their fair shake, um, you know, just because a movie comes out 
in October to December and gets nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards, everyone's like, oh, well, what's the deeper meaning of Whiplash, right? And I'm look, I'm super fine to have those conversations, but that doesn't mean, you know, to me that there isn't, you know, that, that there isn't a deeper meaning to Batman versus Superman. Um, and, and I think games... <laughs> and I think games have... And I, yeah, right. And I think games have a similar kind of problem and people are doing the wrong thing, right? And I hate this. They're doing the wrong thing by jumping to the games that look like, you know, that that like kind of look dressed up and look mature, right? And are saying, oh, these look like Oscar bait movies, right? And therefore we're going to pretend that these are the things that make, that, that are, art games right that make great you know that make that, that make games art or whatever and i'm like no right you have to do the opposite of that right i am so much more interested in the argument that mass effect 2 is an artful game right or that you know assassin's creed is an artful game right or fallout new vegas is an artful game than i am in the in these arguments about uh you know gone home dear esther firewatch or whatever right it is I think it's much more accessible to talk about these games uh, in terms of, because there's nothing else to focus on, right? It's so easy to talk about them as art. What's hard is getting through, you know, like, it's parsing through, quote-unquote, blockbuster mechanics, right? Triple-A game design mechanics, and talking about, okay, well, what does Deus Ex Human Revolution actually say about transhumanism, Right. What are the big concerns with the development of artificial intelligence that Mass Effect, right, ta- you know, the Mass Effect deals with? Right. What are the overlying, like, the underlying philosophies on how religion impacts societies? Right. In Dragon Age. Right. I think those are all very interesting questions. They have just as much depth, if not more so, because a lot of the times these games are longer. There's more content. They can be more nuanced than a game that's going to be taking up, you know, two hours of your time. And having people focus uh, uh, on on walking simulators to the exclusion of other games is is a pet peeve, I suppose. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I definitely... Definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> um, This—I mean, I literally had—you know—I literally had a a column in college uh, called "Low Culture," and the entire thing was just me just looking through, right, like all of that stuff and talking about it. And it, it you know, and I, man, I—I I feel like I could have done like fifty articles on. Uh, on this kind of stuff with walking simulators. And I also think, by the way, that, like, other games get looped into this, too. I'm not trying to, like, pick on walking simulators specifically, right? I think the Telltale games, which, by the way, are questionably walking simulators? Yeah, I, I they think are, the, it's, 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 I was thinking about this earlier. It's, it's interesting to kind of, like, draw the line between walking simulators and adventure games. Right, um, it definitely. Which are a much more classic genre than the walking simulator, but sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree, right? And I think one of the things that sets out, uh, that sets a big difference uh, between the Dear Esters and the Gone Homes of the world uh, and The Walking Dead, right, is The Walking Dead and almost all of these Telltale games have so much to do with the choices you make. Uh, in a weird way, I think that that's natural for a lot of games, right? Some of them uh, more so than others, right? 
uh, Bioshock, for instance, is very judgmental about the choices that you are making and has a lot to do, you know, but like the, the thing that saves Bioshock and that, and that elevates it to kind of like the great games of all time status to me is the commentary that it has on the nature of choice in games, right? I think that's very, they're, they're great about it. It is so interesting. It is so in depth. Um, and then you have games like, you know, Mass Effect, right, where, which is another game that's also about your choices. But then there are other games where you make choices, but the game, you know, the game isn't really about that, right? I would argue that all of the Assassin's Creed games, uh, or like, you know, Shadow of Mordor, right, you know, you played that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's a game about choices because you are choosing how to stat up your character, right? Um, and whether or not you want to be, and whether or not you want to be stealthy, whether or not, you know, and I think that, that that affects it. And we can extrapolate out from those mechanics, right, a, a certain you know a certain kind of theming of choice in that game but you don't really choose that you know you don't choose the story outcome and my point is certain games focus on this certain games don't the telltale games focus very hard on this and walking simulators almost as a rule seem not to right they want to um and this is a little bit of their problem to a certain extent they want to dictate to you a story um which comes off bad and wrong i what yeah i've one of my problems with Dearester comes down to the fact that I'm just, I have a hard time getting invested in these characters, right? I'm more than willing to be kind of, like, swept off my feet and taken on a linear journey from point A to point B of a fully, you know, realize, you know, I don't think story, I don't think games have to be fractal. I don't think choice has to be in every game. I don't think, you know, you have to, um, I think that it's okay to have a linear narrative, um, but... You have to, but you, it's harder, right? You, ha you have to do more work to invest me in a character that I'm not making active decisions on, right? Anytime I get, I get an opportunity to choose left or right, up or down, right, as Commander Shepard, that's a, that's a moment where the Commander Shepard and I align a little bit more, right? He becomes a little bit more personal to me. And I think games have relied on that phenomenon in order to dodge, essentially, um, in order to kind of like dodge creating characters where you do have a just a natural investment, right? And you want to finish this, th this singular through line out just because those characters are engaging and for no other kind of... Uh, uh, and for no other reason. And that's the that's the end of my my <laughs> other diatribe. I'm having a lot of diatribe. Very proud of these today. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's it, 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 it's it's good. Um, I I I would point out that the choices in The Walking Dead are in, um, and, and in the other Telltale games tend to be, um, like if you go back and play them again, they're not as meaningful as they appear, but they make you feel like you're making an important choice, which I think is the the more important thing. Yeah, I 100% I think that, you know, I've heard this argument from people where they're like, if, um, um, you know, I, I've heard this thing where people say something along the lines of like, oh, well, if you go back and replay, you know, The Walking Dead, right, like he just dies two seconds later anyway, but that's really not the point, right? It is about the, emo you know, it's about the emotional reaction in the moment. It's about making the decision in the moment. This is why The Walking Dead having, you know, that, that countdown simulator on the, like, you can't just sit on the on the dialogue screen for like eight years, like you can in other games or whatever, uh, is, is I think important, right? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, so I, I think that those criticisms can be fair criticisms of the game as a whole, but I do think that you're right that, that like the, the, the kind of, even if it's just the illusion of choice, 
the fact that it gives you that emotional impact, at least in the moment, is makes it largely successful. I think it's better if it's actually a meaningful choice, but the the illusion of like successfully fooling someone, I, th- I think, still still works. Like I, I think yeah. I think all that disappointment comes in post if you play it a second time. Like at that moment, you're still enjoying enjoying the game as kind of like a a, a real kind of wild ride. Um, yep. if that makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I don't know. I almost feel, uh, I almost feel bad, uh, about that. It's, it's hard with games because there is, I think there's such thing as a game that you should never replay. Um, if that kind of makes sense, right? Like, like, I don't think I'm ever going to replay the walking dead season one. Um, uh, and 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 I think that that's almost kind of the point, right? Games are very up on replays, right? Game pluses, right? You know, going back and redoing kind of DLC stuff. Uh, there's there's a lot of arguments for you know games being a fundamentally replayable uh, uh, medium, right? And if you have this problem, if you want to call it a problem, that The Walking Dead has, where on a replay you realize kind of how hollow the choices that you otherwise thought were meaningful was, right? Like. I kind of get that, but I also think that the correct answer almost is that, right, like, the experience that you create, you know, by making the choices that you do out of The Walking Dead, right, it's not, it's not there, it's not there to do the kind of Mass Effect thing, or even, like, maybe, you know, other games do, uh, do this kind of thing, where you replay it in a different spec, or with, like, a different mindset, right? I, I have done that with some of the other games, and I think that, the, you know, they can be really, really rewarding. Bioware games especially are great at this, right? Um, but I just, I just don't think that's what Telltale games are kind of for. I think Telltale games are for, you know, you make the decisions in the moment, and, uh, you know, you move... Uh, you know, you move on with your life and with the 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 story that you create for these characters, um, and that that should be a special thing that you right that like that you appreciate. Um, and no mu- and no much of I went now I'm going back on the wiki and seeing that you know some of these choices that I made that were just really gut wrenching um, were actually god awful. Um, you know, I don't know. That's just how I think about it. Yeah, no, it's it's. I don't. Know. I, I to bring it back to the to, to the core topic. I I think, um, uh, of of walking simulators. It is. I I think, this is kind of sets up like what's. Like. Because you don't have the ability in 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 most of these cases to kind of make those choices and bring yourself into that story right like ownership gain some ownership over that story um you like it makes it harder to kind of forgive missteps and these games really live or die based on the quality of of whatever narrative they decide to take because there's literally nothing else um and even if like parts of it are good i think if it like I think on a very personal level, if it just doesn't work for you, then that game is is, is ultimately a loss for you. Um, and if it does work for you, that that's great. But I think it's it's a lot to kind of gamble on from a game perspective um, that you're going to be able to like. Like I don't think I don't think a walking simulator will ever be a masterpiece, um, just because I think that if it's ever 
that good, it'll be like a movie. Um, wait, you don't think? Wait, hold on. You don't think The Walking Dead is a masterpiece? Um, I don't think The Walking like in the kind of space. Th- this is a so uh, f- for this converse, the purpose of this particular conversation, I am. Um, I am putting Walking Dead outside of walking simulators because they they have that large element of choice in them. Sure. Um, if if th- that allowed, I don't think that. Um, uh, I, I think I think Walking Dead is very good. Um, I have watched a, a playthrough. I have never played it myself, so I, I'm not going to comment whether or not I think it's a masterpiece. And I think it very easily could be. Um, but I don't think that there will be a. I don't think there will be a masterpiece walking simulator. Um, straight up. Oh, oh, sorry. I misunderstood. I thought you meant The Walking Dead. Oh, um, no, no, sorry. God, that's a good question. Do I think that... You know, I kind of... I, you know, I believe that... I believe kind of uh, uh, on both ends this is true, right? Like, I think that you can make a good game out of anything, right? Even, the, you know, right? Like, I, I just think you can make a good game out of uh, out of anything. Um, sure. But I wonder, do you? Do I think I can make a masterpiece out of anything? Because part of this is kind of like I just kind of have faith almost that uh, that someone is smarter than I am. I cannot that, conceptualize fair. of all of the possibilities of you know like the walking simulator space, and somebody might theoretically be able to make some kind of like crazy moving whatever um, out of it. But you know, I actually. I do kind of almost see the point because, like, I don't know. You would. I think the advantage that a walking simulator has to movies, right? And the thing that sets it apart is your ability to move through the space. Um, you know, for instance, Gone Home, I, I obviously haven't played it, but I think that this is kind of part of the point, right? Gone Home, picking something up and moving it around with the camera, um, I think that that's kind of like an implicit mechanic that reinforces almost, um, like the almost the tactile nature of the experience, right? Um, and I think that's, and I think, I do think that's important, and I think that that is enough of a difference, and maybe you could... Like, maybe you could really sell me if you make that mechanic uh, just, you know, amazing. But to a certain extent, I almost don't know that it's possible. Um, I really don't know. I really don't have a good, uh, I really don't have a good answer. Yeah, it's, it's, so the reason I say that is that I think the genre is just a little bit, it's a little bit too on the rails, um, to, to kind of like attain that level through like kind of kind of these naturalistic elements that you're talking about, but it's also too free to kind of benefit from the the control that that like a like a, a movie does, um, where yeah, where like the direction can really like you know, um the the thing so so kind of as a counterpart to 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 walking simulators I think like right on the other side of the line of like movies that are almost games is going to be um like this this new push for uh like 3D th- or uh, like 360 degree films in uh in like VR right that like i i i i bet you anything at some point in the near future 
It will be a movie that you can watch, put it with your headset on, you can turn your head around and see all sorts of, like you can see oh, in a bunch God, of different ways. I think I think that... Me. I think that can work for certain things. I think it's going to be very hard to do it right because you can't direct the co- camera, obviously. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I think cinematography and especially also like editing, like how do you handle edits when uh, when you're in a thing like that, right? Do you, do you fade to black in each and every scene? Uh, I don't know. Lo- losing those two things as tools to facilitate your, uh, your, your story is such a huge blow that I don't think the kind of immersiveness that you get by uh, by having the player. You know, and honestly, I'm almost making an argument uh, for why I think these walking simulators can't really the, the, reach that level. Because, that like, is exactly my point. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing, I think the thing that sets the walking simulators apart, in fact, the thing that I think sep- separates almost all games um, from, uh, uh, from movies like this is that the, is that movies are not tactile in any way, right? Um, Maybe you could make an argument that, like, certain kinds of 3D movies can be because, like, you know, I felt this way about the most recent, which is also god-awful, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but the 3D was very good where, like, it was very good at getting that feeling of, like, moving through a jungle, right? And, like, you know, like, you're brushing like vines off of your shoulders as you walk, right? And that's a that's a tactile experience, but it's a very imaginary experience. I think if you could really like one in a million hit the nail on the head with the the ability for a game to be tactile, right? For the ability for you to kind of control this um this kind of sense of of uh of touch and like of space that you can get, maybe you could sell me, uh, maybe you could sell me on that. But man, I think that is such a hard sell. I, I, I think idealistically that's possible, but I feel like practically I really doubt that like anybody could actually go and like pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That I, I agree 100%. That's that's why I don't think that it's it's possible to get man i feel i feel really bad i i really like being optimistic about this stuff right like i really like like seeing the potential um um i don't know i just i do like seeing the um i i do like seeing like the potential in anything right and being and, and seeing the upside and giving things like the benefit of the doubt but man that's a tough one that's a really tough one for me yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what this feels a lot like? Um, and I've seen movies like this, and they are actually kind of not great. But I guess Hardcore Hamlet came out and apparently did it. But like these, there are there are certain movies that are first person POV movies, um, and they are god awful. Almost all of them. It's like it's terrible. They really just destroy. Um, you know, it, it just it really kind of undermines uh, like the the ability for the director to like move a camera in motivated ways. I guess is kind of the it's kind of the answer for it. And it's such a kneecap that it's so hard. And you know, I don't know. Maybe Hardcore Henry made this work or whatever. It's like the only one. It's like the newest version of these kind of things, right? Um, but. Um, I think that that's a little bit of what like walking simulators are like, right? Because you are just discarding all trappings of, you know, really, really kind of like super deep, um, super engaging mechanics, 
you're just kind of handicapping yourself in being able to tell uh it's not like you can't do it it's just really really hard yeah no i i agree 110 percent i don't know i don't know um you know uh when it uh when it comes to some of these uh uh walking simulators um it does do you like would you say that like the genre as a total as like a whole appeals to you if a new one comes out like how 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 much is that in your wheelhouse i guess um so i'm, I'm never gonna preach the walking simulator on, on the strength of the genre it's not like you know like there are games will be like oh a new rpg is coming out i'll take a look at that or like you know like a, a, a new strategy game is coming out i'll take a look at that Never going to happen for Walking Simulator. Um, I will play them based on individual reputation. Um, and, like, you know, um, I think uh, the the game I mentioned, To the Moon, is supposed to be part of an eventual trilogy. Um, I will play the sequels to that game, um, or at least the next one, assuming it's as good as the first one. Um, and I, I can be excited, I guess, for individual entries in, in, a, in, a, in a line like that, but, like... I, I don't think I'll ever, like, I'll, I'll, I'll never go and and see a, a walking simulator and be like, you know what I want to do today? Walk slowly for 30, minute, 30 to 120 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny is I actually really do like kind of these compact experiences. Um, I almost kind of like feel bad about Gone Home because I played a game that I think is really good. Uh, have you ever played Dysphoria? Uh, no, I have not. It is a web-based game, but I really recommend it. I, I think it's like uh, like D-Y-S-4-I-A. Um, but it's actually very it's – like, it's like a famous one, but it's about like the uh, – it's like literally like 15 minutes, like super, super small. Um, but it's just kind of like a little autobiographical game about uh, being trans, transsexual and like undergoing like hormone therapy and stuff like that. Um, and it's just really, I don't know, man, I think it's a really great, I, I think you can play it for free online. I think that that is, it gets across its message, but it's like five fucking minutes, right? And through really kind of like, not really novel, but just interesting ways, right? And I think that someone sitting down and almost kind of preaching at you, right? Or like having a character be like, God, why are you, you know... Uh, excuse my language, right? But like, oh, why are you such a faggot, right? Okay, that character is obviously fucking evil and it has the wrong mindset, right? It's not interesting. There's not, there's not, there's not nuance there. It's kind of straw manny almost. Um, and I think a game like Dysphoria does a very good job at at kind of like highlighting the problems and asking you to be empathetic and making uh, and making the case for that empathy, right? Without being preachy or like holier than thou right or kind of um you just like you know what I, do you see what i'm saying absolutely yeah and and i and i love and i love i love uh uh games that do that i love anything that does that but games especially um you know it's like i think uh, i think call of duty modern warfare hey also another game getting getting re-released or whatever Modern Warfare to a certain 2, right? 
No, Warfare. What? Wait, I Warfare Two. I, I thought Warfare One was the one that was going to. I, I could be wrong. It's it's not important. It, well, one of them is coming out with like Call of Duty Infinite or whatever. Um, and I think too. And I, you know, I think at this point, Call of Duty has kind of left the trappings of like the mortal world behind right <laughs> um and it is it is less concerned uh it is kind of less concerned with things but call of duty modern warfare um was is you know it was a very moving game for me to play because you know spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't who hasn't played this game about halfway through you're you're flip-flopping between like an american soldier on the ground um and an, and an english special ops unit uh, essentially, um, and the special ops will do something, and then the and then you know the Americans will do something, and they'll kind of go back and forth. And halfway through the game, the American character um, literally gets nuke right, like a nuclear bomb goes off, and you play as this guy as he like you know the helicopter crashes, but he's still alive, and he's walking out, and the radiation is just you know, and you just feel yourself buckle and fall over and die and it's a very you know i think that was a very moving experience and i think it really plays into kind of um i don't know it plays into kind of the message almost uh, uh of the game and it, and it raises the stakes and it's really cool uh and it's a really interesting moment and maybe you could convince me that that moment working so well um maybe you could convince me that you could extrapolate that moment out and make a walking simulator, right? Like, if that moment, which was essentially a walking simulator moment, um, was able to hit me so hard, I wonder, could you get the same thing if you were able to kind of, like, make a game entirely of moments uh, that are, that are like, that gripping? I don't know. Part of me thinks... I, 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 I am of two minds. Part of me thinks that that is definitely possible, but part of me also thinks that the only reason that moment works so well is because, you know, this game and, and a lot of other games is very much about the, like, enfranchisement of your character, right? It's about the, the power fantasy. It's about you running around and killing a million terrorists uh, 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 or, like, Russian bad guys or just, you know, like, whatever. Um, and so the, the harsh contrast between... You are a super cool, awesome, badass soldier who's, like, running around single-handedly saving the day. And, you know, you are uh, completely powerless in the face of this, like, ultimate destruction. Uh, like, that, that's the, it's the juxtaposition that makes that work so well. Yeah, that makes makes a ton of sense. Um, hmm. I don't... I don't know if I really have anything else to, to say. Do you have any? I, I could. You you want me to go into why I don't like Gone Home? I could do that. I have another way to fill ten minutes. If you want to fill ten minutes, it's up if to you. If that's what we're asking, um, it's up to you entirely. Um, but uh, I, you know, because I am I am interested. Okay, um, I've actually kind of wanted to, to say this for a while, so maybe I do want to do this. Good, hit me. All right, yeah, so let's do this. <laughs> so heavy spoilers for Gone Home, obviously. Um. So my by the reason I don't like Gone Home is that um I think it's ultimately a storytelling problem. So you you go through the story and you find out that like this, this girl is discovering her sexuality. Um she falls in love with another girl um in high school, right? It's a it's a high school romance. Um and her parents her parents don't 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 get it. Um and you kind of like the last thing you do is you open up the door to the attic and you find out that she has 
run away with her girlfriend to I think it's like they've essentially run away together. Um, and I the thing that bothered me the most about this is that I thought it was a kind of like a very over the top reaction for her to have. Like I understand that's difficult when your parents don't get you, but her parents are never like depicted as being like like horrible homophobes. They're depicted as as they have their own struggles. I think this is actually the, the problem, um, because they can't make us hate the parents too much because they have their own separate plot lines in the in, in the story. Um, their reactions are all kind of muted, right? Like, okay, like the the rejection of their daughter is not you know no daughter of mine. It's you know oh she's going through a phase like the doctor says she'll grow out of it like if this is natural or whatever and they're portrayed as very kind of like they're portrayed of like like unbelieving but still loving parents um and, and like i said they've got their own problems that you need to be able to sympathize with them for in order for their storylines to kind of resolve in 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 uh in uh in in satisfying ways um and so my my immediate thought on seeing the end of like, catching this end clip is like, you know, you ran away with your high school sweetheart. I don't care if you're straight or gay. That's not a good idea when you're 19 years old, right? Like that, like, you know, it didn't seem romantic or, or like, or justified. It just seemed like a very poor decision to me. And maybe I'm just... A Do you... So, have you seen The Graduate, or have you heard about The Graduate? Do you know about The Graduate? I, I, um, is that the... It's the it's a Dustin Hoffman movie from the 60s, 70s? It's uh, a Dustin Hoffman movie. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, have you ever watched Archer? Like, yes. are you up on Archer? Um, okay, not do you know the Okay, do you know there, there's, so there's a part, right? And I, I, I hope that... Wait, is The Graduate this. Mrs. Robinson? Uh, well, yeah, yes, but like, I, I specifically, um, yes, I think, unless I misremember. She, she sleeps, some, somebody sleeps with like the mother of, um, anyway, go I, on. I, anyway, the, the point, so there's, you know, there's an episode of Archer, right, where, um, uh, you know, Katya Archer's like robot you know, Russian assassin or whatever kind of comes back to life and she's biotic now. And then Barry, who's also a fucking robot shows up and they like fight and they're fighting and they're fighting. And then they end up like having sex or whatever. Um, and because this is Archer, it's a huge farce or whatever, by the way, people. Um, and it ends with them on a bus together. Right. And they're, and at first, and it's one shot. And at first they're very, they're, they're, they're happy that they're like running away together. But then as the shot kind of drags on, you see their kind of like elation, like drip away, and they just kind of like return to kind of like a neutral or almost kind of like contemplative look. Um, do do you know what I'm referencing at all? Uh, it sounds familiar. Yeah, I I, I know what you're talking about. That yeah. shot is aping is aping a movie called The Graduate, right? And The Graduate is uh, kind of a send up of almost exactly the principle that you're talking about, right? Wherein. Um, you know, this guy, uh, you know, what you, the, the story is complicated, but essentially, right, like, he decides to throw caution to the wind, right, and, uh, and, uh, fall in, you know, he falls in love or whatever, and he, and he and this woman, they get married or whatever, but, like, the final shot, right, is the two of them eloping on this bus together, and <clears throat> if you, 
depending on where you cut that, right, it could be a very, like, happy ending, right? And the movie could be implying he's made the right decision, right? He is now with the love of his life, and they're eloping, and that's great, and true love conquers all, right? But it actually goes on for, like, a minute and a half. And you do, and you, the, the thing that you watch happen, right, is exactly what I was describing before, right? Their elation, that giddiness drips away, and all of a sudden, right, like, you can see that they're, you know, they, they're not just characters in a movie that are trying to make you feel good about true love. These are, like, real people who've just made an incredibly impulsive decision for all of the wrong reasons. And they're and the weight of that decision has, is just starting to dawn on them, right? And then the movie ends. Um, and so my point is, right, do you think Gone Home is trying to pull that on you to a certain extent right does it want you to think that whatever the girl's name is who's eloping that she's making the right decision or does it want you to kind of look at that ending with a bit of ambivalence um or almost like a bittersweetness of like she just didn't understand her parents her parents right she didn't explain it to them and she thinks she's being persecuted but she's not right and so this lack of this breakdown of communication has now ripped this family apart right i could see it where that's the case but it's all in execution and so yeah so i uh, you know uh, full disclosure i haven't played the game in a long time um, I'm, try, I'm trying really hard to, to save it a game i have never played um, right but, but yeah i i don't think I, I remember, the, the way I remember it, I got the distinct impression that you were supposed to believe that she had made the correct decision um, for her. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, so, so I think with the, so I couldn't, so at the time I remember thinking, I, I'm not sure if this is what they were trying to do, but I think they were trying to build it up as you would pull down the attic and you would find maybe that she had hung herself in the attic. Um, and that this was like kind of the happier alternative that she had gone and eloped. Um, because like the the whole buildup is that like is, is is that like nobody understands her. She doesn't fit in. She doesn't fit in in like initially in very regular ways, right? Like she's just like not a popular kid. She's like you know like uh, a nerd in some ways. And then sure. and then eventually she discovers her sexuality and she discovers this girl who she thinks is the most wonderful girl in the world. Um, and she comes face to face with a lot of problems with those. Those, those kind of like the, the struggle with her sexuality always feels kind of um kind of uh curtailed by the fact that her parents are while unsupportive not actively like anti-supportive right they're they, they just like her parents don't understand her but they don't hate her um and it makes this 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 all feel very rash, um, and and maybe okay. and maybe maybe that's the point in 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 a lot of ways. Like you know, it, you know, if if when you're at a point when you need someone to understand you and your parents kind of dismiss you, maybe maybe that's something I missed. But it also it it didn't. I don't know. I have. See, because, you know, honestly, I really like endings that are like that, almost, that are, like, ambiguous. I don't think it was supposed to be ambiguous, Right, though. right, yeah, no, I, I know, I know exactly, that's exactly my point, right? Like, I really love, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, um, when it comes to, like, 
the Warcraft movie. We were going to do an episode of the Warcraft movie. We never got around to it, but it's now on VHS or well, it's now on demand or whatever else. So right, on VHS? so we, we could we could do <laughs> yeah. I mean, shut up, dude. <laughs> um, and uh, and that movie is a little bit is a little bit like Suicide Squad, but better than Suicide. It's actually a little bit more like well. It it is a it is a terribly flawed movie, right? Just like as an overview, it is it is a movie with big, big gaping, gaping like flaws and holes. But it really sells me on on uh, its ambition and how hard it tries and how it doesn't take the easy way out for itself. Um, and the way that this manifests almost entirely is that is the ending, right? The ending to Warcraft is great. Um, because it is about that ambivalence and it's about that bittersweetness, right? And it is like weirdly disappointing. And and for anybody, you know, for, look, for anybody who knows the story of the original Warcraft, you basically understand, uh, you know, like the story of the ending. But it's a very tragic, you know, like, and it, and it, it like pulls. And that's not, so, you know, it, it, my point is, right? It is a game that specifically throws out, right, the, the rote kind of, formulaic ending and makes a challenging one right makes one that is intentionally bittersweet that's intentionally hard to fucking swallow because that's the point and it commits to that right it commits really hard well not as hard as it could but it commits really hard to that um and that that sucks right and it's a sucky feeling and i feel like it's easy to walk out of that movie and get mad at it for almost you know almost that thing right because like it isn't what we expect of blockbusters um but uh, uh, I don't know. To me, that really sells it. And it sounds like this is like, you know, this is an, an experience. By the way, I feel almost not almost exact same way, but I do feel similarly about the ending to Mass Effect 3, um, which is super controversial. I know, but, you know, it is how I feel. Um, but like it and, and I and so I, I understand where you're coming from. And it sucks because I think if that ending was good, it would be something I would go fucking apeshit for. I love ambivalence. It's such an interesting emotion to be feeling, um, or pair of, of emotions, I guess, depending on how you kind of want to define that. Um, and it really sucks. I hate it when I hate it when things miss the mark uh, on that way, and it, and it really comes off wrong, because that just really sucks, man. It really blows. Yeah, no, it it it, it does, and I didn't think it was a bad game. In fact, I think that. The, the story of the mother and the father, they're individual sub-stories, um, and kind of there's also like a, a fourth story involving the father's relationship with the uncle, who was the person who originally owned the house. Um, I thought that all of those stories were very... I thought that the parents' story was very... In particular, was very, very good. Each of the parents' stories was very, very good. Um, one is uh, the father is like a sci-fi writer that, um, you know, has lost his way... And or it's kind of like not written in a while, and so he writes like VCR manuals. Um, this game takes place in the past where a VHS would occur. Um, gotcha. Uh, and uh, and the mother uh, and and the kind of resolution of his story as is um, if somebody wants to republish his books, and then he convinces them to let him write another book, and he's kind of refining himself as a as an author. I thought that was very compelling. And then the mother's story is. Um, she meets a, a, a younger dude at work um, and doesn't actually um, cheat with him, but kind of gets almost there. Um, and th the reason that the reason, so the big thing for Gone Home 
Um, this is also part of the reason why it aggravated me a little bit is that you come home to an empty house that you've never been to before because your parents moved while you were away in Europe. Um, and the reason your parents aren't home is because they're on a retreat. Um, for They're on a marriage counseling retreat to kind of figure out what's up with their relationship. And the reason your sister isn't home, who's the one that's supposed to have let you in, explained all this to you, is because she's eloped with her girlfriend. Um, and so, like, it, what, what, like the very beginning of that game is very scary because you expect to, like, turn a corner and see, like, a monster or something, right? You expect it to maybe be a horror game. And it's none of that. And but th that kind of expectation falls off relatively quickly. Um, but I, I, I think I think it's such a shame that... Um, that the main story is so undercut, um, in my opinion, by these, by, by these two other excellent stories, but which ultimately make it's, 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 it's an, ex it you is know, an experience. I, I, you know, to be completely honest, I 100%, uh, I 100% feel you. I have, this is actually a little bit of my problem. Uh, we're not my problem, but like a, a problem, um, that, uh, you know, like, we did an episode on Civil War that people have with Civil War, right? Civil War goes for the downer ending. It goes for the, the bittersweet, punchy kind of ending where, you know, like, the Avengers get broken up. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the the Avengers get broken up. Tony Stark and, and Steve Rogers aren't, like, friends anymore whatever. And then he gives them that, like, phone that's like, oh, by the way, you know, you know, nothing's actually wrong. I think that that's... A misreading by the way but people are people get mad about that they actually got very mad about it when it first came out on uh, on uh, dvd a couple of weeks ago um when really i think <clears throat> i think the uh um like but i i get it right like i understand how someone could be really into it and really invested in the bitter sweetness of that ending and have that be undercut just by like a little tiny thing where you're just like Come on, right? Like, if the point is, I, you know, and I, I get this because, like, I hate it when things pull their punches like this sometimes, right? Like, if the thing is that Tony Stark and Steve Rogers aren't friends anymore, don't end your movie on how Steve Rogers is willing to kind of apologize, right? That's how you begin the next movie, right? That's how they get over that problem, but, like, the, it, it undercuts the kind of, um, uh, the, the, puts, like, a Band-Aid on on the wound that is supposed to be, you know, I don't know, satisfying. But we've uh, we've run plenty over, um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little surprised that we ran over on this episode. I thought we were going to have to fill for time, yeah. which I guess we kind of did. But um, anyway, um, yeah, yeah, thank you for tuning in, tuning in. Yeah, if you want to tell us what you, how you feel about Walking Simulators or about Dear Esther or The Walking Dead or Gone Home or To the Moon, you can email us at someDerpsPlayGames at gmail.com. You can watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash someDerpsPlayGames. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on everything. Like, comment, subscribe, do whatever. Rate us on iTunes. Um, uh, and I think that's it for me. Buddy, did you have anything that you wanted to pimp? No, I do I do not want to I do not want to plug anything. Um, but we do have some cool shows coming up. Uh, uh, which we're excited for. We always have cool shows coming up. This is the best That's podcast true. in the sometimes, goddamn world. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we have sometimes we have shitty shows. Any show that, uh, well, never mind. Um, uh, thanks for tuning in, loyal listeners. Uh, until uh, next time, dear will, uh... listeners. <laughs> until next time.